whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Women in Gridiron Show, Season 2, Episode 14. I've got the whole squad back today. I've got Beck and Danny. Nat is back from her wedding. Nat, how is the day? Big congrats from us here at Mojo. How did everything go? Any uh, Anything go a little bit wrong that we sh- should talk about no. on the podcast? Mate, when you put a running back and a lineman together, it doesn't go wrong, mate. <laughs> the match made in heaven. Christy is back and recovered from her first rugby game, I think. Just, Christy, how's the body? I saw a couple of photos. It looks like you still think you're wearing a helmet out there. I do. I do. I do think I'm wearing a helmet. I'm learning the hard way, which is how I do it. Um, it was great, but uh, uh, most people know I like to lie about my age, uh, but currently do not feel 25. I feel at least 27 right now. And, uh, yeah, so this weekend was the NRLW Grand Final, guys, and it was so awesome to get a shout-out from the commentary commentary team about Gridiron with Outback rep Renee Weapon X Target playing for the St. George Dragons, who unfortunately didn't get the win against the Roosters. But we also have to shout-out Corbin Baxter and Cody House, who have also dabbled in our game at times. And it just goes to show that multi-sport athletes in our sport can go on to do great things. This week on the show, we have a new segment that we are excited to launch, which we'll jump into shortly. But our intro question from the DMs uh, was the difference between playing nine or seven aside to playing the full 11 aside game. And Danny and Christy, I'm going to lean on your guys' experience on this one here, seeing as you have both played full seasons of 11 aside. Christy, what's, what are the biggest differences uh, in between the modified seven or nine and the full 11 experience? Well, I make no secret that I absolutely love 11 aside and definitely have a preference for 11 aside, which might sound weird coming from a running back because um, essentially there's more grass because there's less defensive players. But what I love about 11 aside is the offensive creativity that you have, which also means that defense gets to be a bit more creative too. Um, so it's the creativity. You can have multi, multiple pulling linemen and all of that sort of stuff. But also um, it's actually in a lot of ways, I find it easier in the backfield as a running back and a quarterback because um, you obviously have a, a couple more uh, players up front so that means that the d end has to be that little bit wider and have to work a little bit harder to get uh, into that backfield in nine and seven aside they can essentially those defensive ends can essentially take one or two steps and they're already in that backfield or that pocket so it just makes for uh, a bit more seamless reading in the backfield and a bit more time and that can create some great things and allow for a lot of creativity which is much more fun what do you think, Danny? Yeah, look, I think you've covered it pretty good. Like, I love that in 11 man, the playbook kind of opens up a fair bit wider. Um, I think you can really constrict yourself a little bit, you know, in seven man football, you've, sorry, in nine man football, you've either got, you know, three linemen, or if you don't have your three linemen, you put your five linemen on the line, you then got, you know, less backs like receivers and stuff. So um, the playbook changes in that aspect quite a lot. Um, I know for me, again, like you, Christy, um, you'd think that we wouldn't like 11 men as much because there's that many more people coming to attack you. Um, but I, I love it. I love it. The only thing I think that I don't love is sometimes looking in the box um, at 11, in 11 man football and seeing like the box just stacked with like seven or eight people. And I think to myself, wow. So, yeah, but no, I think it's great and a lot better than the nine man football. 
Yeah, and, you know, not only does it open up the playbook, but as Christy and Danny said, um, you know, it's about that next level for, for those specialised positions. More reads for quarterbacks, smaller gaps for running backs, more players on the field make it harder to hit space. And that power run game is really explosive and 11 aside. And I'm super excited to play that full experience in our border battle against Victoria in June. Nat, from an offensive line standpoint, um, what's different for you in the 11 aside game? I the creativity for me but um I think for I actually love it when the box is busier because I think you get more opportunity um well to you know get second level and stuff like that I love it when you can pull more than one guard I absolutely love it I love um I think you nailed it, Chris. I think it's the creativity for me. Like, you know, it's not just pass or, you know, uh, run, you know, zone block. It's, it's you get to do some cool stuff. And I actually prefer 11. I think it goes faster. And I think it really, um, it's, you know, it's how the game is meant to be played. And I can absolutely see why. Uh, and when we get so, I suppose, disheartened when we do like a nine, seven, nine man, uh, you know, alternative to the 11 man. So that's probably, that's, yeah, that's probably why I love it. I love the big bodies. I love, I love that it's busier. What about you, Beck? Yeah, for me, I've never actually been able had the opportunity to play 11 aside, but I did actually learn the rules of the sport and become interested by watching 11 aside. Like I watched NFL and was a huge fan before I started playing. So going from watching to 11 aside to actually playing only seven, you could definitely see the differences in the playbook for sure. But that also goes in saying that like, even though they are more creative, you can add more plays. It also makes it more difficult for, you know, offenses to get a good grasp and flow as an offense and then to be able to make defensive reads as well. I think it just makes the game a lot more technical, a lot more complicated, and it really shows who the players are that stand out with, you know, that technicality, that skill level, that athletic ability over the seven and nine aside where players, you know, those running backs just outside and they're gone kind of, play so yeah um christy pretty much nail on the head creativity technicality all that kind of fun stuff you know there's definitely uh i think seven and nine man is a great place to learn but i think uh you know we've discussed this on the podcast before that as a as a country we definitely need to be looking towards that 11 aside experience um and hopefully in the next you know season or two we can get up there with more teams uh and more more states jumping on board and doing some exhibition games if we can't get full 11 aside seasons coming up but all right let's launch into our first segment tonight the breakdown it's do or die one game. Got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Um, not everything went to plan at all. Um, and they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is the breakdown where we look into some of the key matchup games happening at the moment. And we are crossing back over to the WNFC and having a look at the Mississippi Panthers versus the Kansas City Glory. Now, guys, this was a tough one. The Panthers and our Aussie expats are going down in a narrow scoreline of 14-12 to Kansas. But there were some great plays that made that game a little bit fun to watch. Danny, I saw the Panthers were a little bit short on depth, which left them a little bit gassed in the later part of the game. As you've played a couple of seasons in the WNFC, what challenge are these teams coming up against at the moment? Look, I think, you know, you can start off a game quite well. And once you, you know, get into that second half and, you know, if you're, you're down a little bit and stuff, everything, you know, it's, it's your time. You, you're kind of rushing there to get, get those points on the board. Um, and I think people can lose, you know, th- their head a little bit with, um, 
getting a bit confused with what's happening on the field, um, rushing things a little bit too much, just trying to get the ball moving. Um, people kind of just really have brain farts. So I think for me watching, I've just got to watch the end of the game. Um, it just seemed that like there might have been a little bit of confusion happening among the field, um, a bit of tiredness, um, which always happens in the second half, especially when you've got players playing uh, both sides of the ball. But I think a big thing for them to work on going into the next game is making sure everyone's on the same page so there's no confusion um, out there and they can make sure that they can complete um, each each set. So that's a technical term uh, we just covered there in the brain fart, um, which happens quite often on the field. Uh, You know, and what uh, Danny was saying, you know, there was a couple of uh, penalties that just – uh, we're a little bit mind-boggling with too many offensive players on the field, which leads you to believe that there was a little bit of disorganisation out there. Christy, having played this style of competition, what's the standard like in comparison to what we play here? Is it up there with World Cup intensity or would you liken it a little bit more to our state and national games in terms of how things are flowing and the types of athletes have got out there? My experience was actually in the WFA, which um, is probably, uh, well, it is more established in that it's been around a bit longer. Um, And so you had some very veteran players who were very, very good. Um, It is hard hitting. It sometimes doesn't uh, show how hard from um, from the footage, how hard or how fast it's going. Um, But I think one thing to remember is uh, their their second game in. Um, so we've all had that first game, even though you try to get hit fit as possible, um, there's nothing that compares to game fitness. So, um, sometimes you will see that first game up, second game drop a little, uh, sometimes, um, and it might be that you're a bit tender, a bit sore, or you're just maybe pushing to try a few things or fix some things in just one week turnaround. And that's the other thing you have to, you have to plan for each team. You have to change up some stuff. I noticed that they did change up their personnel in the backfield quite a bit. Um, I have been a part of a team um, with the Ravens actually in 2017 and 2018, where we had some backfield depth in which we did that. So I think there was a grand final against um, Thunder. Um, I can't remember. It was 18. I think it was 2018, where there were four different quarterbacks in the first um, first quarter. Um, which uh, we'd been playing as a team for, this was our second year as a full unit um, without much changes. So that comes along with that familiarity. So there were a lot of Wildcat. There was myself and Kestra. Um, there was Chrissy in a quarterback. There was Rosie in a quarterback. And that can actually be really effective in keeping the uh, defense guessing. They don't get comfortable in reads. They don't get used to how the quarterback's running or anything like that. So I saw that they were doing a lot of personnel change there in the quarter, uh, the part of the game that I watched um, but there is a flip side to that that it uh, having someone in back there in the backfield or on the field uh, changing up things you have to be ready you have to be ready to run on you have to know when people are going on and what sort of all that sort of stuff and I saw there was a bit of confusion like that to me it seemed like hopefully just those first few games uh, I guess shit that happens um some mistakes that are made um that hopefully will iron themselves out as they get more familiar as they get more reps as they get more into that match readiness as well so uh fingers crossed that they can turn that around yeah beck you know we were talking offline just about uh the the formation that we've seen the mississippi panthers run um majority of last game and and for half of this game here with uh you know a double back situation and and you know a very heavy set uh, and then we saw them switch that out to having, uh, you know, a, a trips on one side and a single receiver on the other. 
Um, in terms of the defense there, Beck, like how how does this ch- that change in formation change the way that you come at it from a defensive standpoint? Yeah, it's super hard to adjust your defense from a full, like a, a run heavy, big bodies um, coming at you to more of a spread coverage kind of defense because you have your personnel on defense to fit certain formations. And when that is constantly changing, you know, your players are running on and off the field or you're stuck on the field with the wrong personnel. So it can be beneficial, you know, for an offense to be able to flow with these formations. But I think also um, defenses have to be ready for anything and everything coming at them. So they need to have their players, you know, equipped and adjusted to be able to attack any any sort of formation coming up against them. This bulldozer defense is such a hard hitting running defense, but there's so many options that they can do out of it as well. It's not necessarily a run formation because we did see them, you know, pass out of this formation as well. Um, And they really like that rollout kind of um, passing option as well. That quarterback number three really likes to get out of the pocket to release the ball deep down the field. So you've got to make sure that your corners and your safeties are ready for that as well. So they need to be able to read a run and read read a pass really quickly. And it's hard for defenses to do that when um, you're, you expect a run out of that formation. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, talking about run formations, Nat, our uh, our Aussie big dogs and Haley and Liu are starting over there in the O-line having won that position. From what I can see, they're doing what they do best and what they're known for here in Australia, which is their run game and killing it. How hard it, would it be for some of those for those girls to get a handle on the blocking schemes that they're coming up against with some of those bigger D-line girls over in America? Yeah, I don't think the girls necessarily struggled with the size of the D-line, you know, during this game. I think it was more like the confusion about what we're actually supposed to be doing on the field. I think it was the execution, if anything. I think, like you say, the girls are very capable. You can see that, you know, they know what they're doing. Um, But I think it's just getting into the swing of things, um, you know, and and getting moving. We know, you know, Red and Hayley, we know that they can run, you know, and they can block and run. So I don't think there's any doubt that they're capable um, of that kind of football. So I'm keen to see where they go in the next few weeks and I honestly do think it's just that getting into the rhythm getting adjusted to this new playbook and then just now it's just going to be getting a the heads around executing it I think that's all it's going to be yeah definitely you know overall the first half was a little bit of lackluster with some discipline being an issue for the Panthers their quarterback is clutch coming up with a score in the final minutes to bring the score up to a two-point deficit however they were unable to convert um, the standout play for me was the reverse flea flicker with Amanda Housen in at quarterback, which resulted in a 30-yard gain on a third and 15, setting up the drive, which led to the touchdown from the, uh, their quarterback, number three, Regina, uh, on a scramble diving up the middle. It's going to be a tough run against the national champs, the Texas elite Spartans, in two weeks' time for these guys. But, uh, yeah, just teething problems, and I think that they can iron it out. In other news in the US, the Denver Bandits and the WNFC came away with a win to progress 2-0. to zero. That's featuring our Aussie, Serica Schillingsworth. Uh, and over in the WFA, our other Aussie, Kaya Blakely, and the DC Divas had a day against the Baltimore Nighthawks with a 67-6 to win. We're going to be keeping up with these teams throughout this season. And you can catch the WNFC on the VIA network. And the WFA is available to watch and live stream on their Facebook page. All right, guys, I'm excited about this one. Let's get straight into our super new segment, The Playbook. 
Some people are just great at all aspects of the game. When they step foot on the field, it's their show. Double right, scat right, double cowboy. Went 94 feet, did a euro step, made a right-hand layup timeout. The most important thing is film study. We work a lot on short passing with our forwards. You talk about somebody to know the playbook, know where everybody's supposed to be, know the other team, coaches, style of coaching, how his ball club's going to play. That's right. This is the playbook where we deep dive into the X's and O's and chat all things concepts, schemes, and really nerdy, nerdy football stuff. This week, we wanted to start with the read option concept. Now, to break this one down, uh, the zone read or the read option is primarily designed to cause conflict for the defense. It's heavily designed around the quarterback reading a certain person on the defense, usually an edge defender uh, or the end man on the line of scrimmage, which can either be a defensive end uh, or a linebacker, and making a decision that does the opposite of what the defender does. Uh, Reading, you're reading one defender, uh, zone reading, you're reading one defender. If they bite on the running back taking the dive, it's it's an either or, give or keep. This concept is used in all levels of football from youth through to the NFL, and it can be used in a majority of formations. But as a quarterback, it can be tough to master as it's relying on the quarterback to make the right decision. I'm super excited about this segment as we've got uh, a majority of positions covered on our panel. So I'm going to kick this one over to Danny and talk about the quarterback aspect of the read option. Danny, what's the hardest thing to master uh, with this concept? For me, it was keeping my eyes up, riding that mesh point and the handoff with the running back for as long as I could before making a decision. And then my indecision was what let me down when I used to run this. And it takes so much confidence to be able to run this really well. Talk to us about how you rep this and how you learned the read option. Yeah, so I've been doing the read option for a really long time now. Now I was lucky enough to that it was probably the one of the first things we really installed back in the day, um, which was I'm so glad that we did it. Um, and I think the hardest thing for me initially was actually trying to get the mesh point right with the number of running backs that we had at that point. Um, you know, I would feel like I was, you know, turning, you know, right and I was at the correct spot and then the running back would be, you know, a, a bit further away or would just be bumping. So I think um, that was the that was the most difficult thing for for me starting out with it was getting that mesh point um, really, really, really good and um, smooth. So, but I, I love the, yeah, I love the read option. There's nothing, there's nothing tastier to me than getting the ball on that hip, riding all the way through with your eyes up, just keying off that e-mole, that outside um, like defender and just seeing them bite on the run and you just pulling that ball, being patient, pulling it and just, taking it up for you know five plus yards it's it's one of my favorite things to do I I love running the ball lots of people here I think Stace Stace obviously knows too um me but having played with her in South Wales I, I just love a read option I love them the read option is such a key play in a playbook like every single playbook that I ever played as a quarterback and I played for about four or five years in that position had a read option and it's almost like your go-to play but yeah 100% that mesh point and it's also like the patience and the trust in your running back to be where you need them to be I think that was one thing that I struggled with a little bit was having that patience to be able to like really ride that hold and that read and drag that end defender in before making that decision like patience I feel like in a read option is super key also Christy, you know, as a running back, you know, we've we've often spoken the importance about repping that mesh point and repping that handoff, um, you know, and this play is designed for you most of the time 
Uh, what are your keys as a running back, and and how does this play unfold for you in the background in the backfield? Yes, so um, you have heard me bang on about practicing and repping those mesh points with your QBs or multiple QBs. Um, And you can see that at the start of season, it's always a bit rough. And once it gets a lot smoother, you suddenly have more time and you can see more. So from a running back perspective, obviously, um, I'm obviously an experienced player and I'm keyed on by defense, by defense teams. So um, having that read option, makes the defense have to sit back and wait and gives that half a second, which is all you need and all your O-line needs to get some yards, um, whether it's the the QB keeps it or the RB has it. So um, it's really, really important. And to do that, it's the cell in the backfield. So um, Nat will probably talk about the zone blocking and, and that when it's when it's done well is so, so effective. But um, with the RB and the QB, you obviously have to get that mesh point right to be able to sell so that the defense cannot easily read who has the ball and you get that split second of indecision from the defense of not knowing what's going on and you, you already have that advantage. So with an RB, um, I always just tell them, keep it simple, run like you have it. Run like you have it. So when you don't have it, you keep running. Um, so what a lot of RBs will do is they'll they'll go through, they'll feel the QB pull. So they've obviously read something. So there's a bit of trust there because sometimes as an RB, what you're seeing is a big hole and you think it's on, but you can't grab at it. You've got to have that trust to have the QB to keep it. Now, QBs, if in doubt, give the ball because RBs are made to get hit, all right? You are a commodity and I will happily take the hit for you. I apologise to every every running back that I've ever had in my entire <laughs> career for being like, oh, no, that was the wrong decision. I'm sorry. Chrissy Torres, who's probably the smallest QB ever, just likes to get hit for some reason. I tell her all the time, just give me the ball, my God. Um, so don't grab at it. Let them make the decision. Trust that. Um, whether you have the ball or not, run. Because the minute you stop, and a lot of RBs do this, and look back because you know you don't have the ball, and I know what they're doing. They're looking back to see where the QB is to make a block. Fair enough. But what you don't get is some of the best blocking I've ever done in an air in, uh, uh, quotation marks is that I've run and I even run like I'm holding it up against my chest and I've run I have defenders following me and tackle me on the other side of the field while my QB has run you know yards that's an effective block because you have defender players coming for you and that's the only tackle I like (laughs) to be honest so it's about that cell so trusting the QB to make the right call and they will know when they haven't because they're about to get smashed but um, running it like you have it no matter what. Run it like you stole it. That's exactly right. Nat, you know, zone blocking scheme. Talk to us about what that means for you guys. First and foremost, I think the excitement on the Reed's face when they think that they are, it's like payday, is probably one of my favourite things to run past as a lineman. Um, so, yeah, look, zone blocking, absolutely. Uh, when it goes well, it goes well. But I think, um, you know, the downside that you have as well when it doesn't work is that you get a lot of congestion in the backfield. And I think that's probably the watch out, you know, um, for the linemen. I think, you know, just comes from a complacent confusion you know you've been running the same plays over and over and over and you're trying to you know make headway and then we change direction you know and then people get confused there's a lot of um you know confusion there but when a zone block is done you know well and everyone moves in the right direction everyone understands 
who they're who they're blocking I think as well is probably a key part of you know making sure that we do you know our job properly um you know and to set these guys up make you know good lanes for the running backs and the backs you know to, to do these reads but yeah I think um I can't see what happens behind me so mesh points is a, you know like I'm just like okay all I know is I need to get my block because if I don't this is going to collapse and it's not going to be great for Kane so <laughs> uh, that's probably I suppose yeah uh, my biggest takeaways but Absolutely agree, Nat, and um, I think we need to recognise that a zone block um, for an O-line is quite a difficult block to make. It requires speed, footwork, knowing your assignment. They have to move. It's a reach block, so um, it does have a lot of risk with it, and yes, um, it will often break down, particularly later in, I find, later in a game when your O-line's fatigued because they've been going hard all game. Um, So as running backs, as a famous coach would say to me, um, way you got to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. So it is also onto the backfield to make it work because expect that it's going to break down. And Stacey knows exactly who I'm talking about and quoting there. I also feel like this zone zone blocking kind of aspect for offense can be very unnatural, leaving an end lineman unblocked. Like you don't want to do it. You know that that edge rusher is coming and they're coming into that backfield, which is the key read for that quarterback to read. But as an O-line, it feels so unnatural to not block that person. So I think that's a really, really key aspect to this actual, the entire kind of format, like how this play is played out because you are reading that end end rusher. And if they get blocked or the O-line aren't on the same page on who is not being blocked on that D-line, it can completely ruin the whole play also. Um, I was going to say the only other thing I'd add to that is probably, you know, the angle that the lineman needs to take to make sure they get to their block, especially when they've they got a blocker, you know, outside linebacker or something like that. And, you know, they're moving, they're constantly moving and make a decision to go on an angle. You've got to commit to that, but also be able to adjust as well. So it can be quite hard, especially, you know, if you're going second level, it's not right in front of you. Yeah, look, what I love about option plays is it's not just limited to a single back. You know, it can be evolved as the quarterback develops their readability. More often than in nine or seven aside games, we see the speed option happen quite often where the quarterback runs to the uh, inside read of the inside line, the outside linebacker uh, with the running back to determine if they keep or pitch the ball off to the running back in order to get them to the outside and kind of burn them. Uh, down the sideline you can even throw in a motion from a wide receiver read that the possibilities are endless with any of these plays and it gives the offense an automatic advantage to play eyes up football and play free based on what's happening in front defensively Beck, what's your job as a linebacker when it comes to this concept? I know some teams run a gap sound defense where all gaps are covered uh, or a linebacker has an automatic read on the quarterback, meaning they are essentially coming at the quarterback to force them uh, to give off that ball more often than not. But talk to us about what can go wrong for a defense when they see this concept coming at them. Yeah, for this concept, regardless if you're playing man or zone style defense, Um, the job of that backside or, you know, that outside backer or that DN is to stay in that edge. Do not rush, do not give up outside contain, you know, do not, um, you know, drop too deep. Also, you want to read, read that it's a run and come forward, but also fill that gap. Um, Being my first year playing defense last year, this was an area where I had to work really hard in, especially against teams like um, the uh, NSW Raiders who run a zone read really well. Um, In the first game, they absolutely destroyed me with it. Like I 
you know, you want to jump when you feel like it's a run as a defensive player, you just want to go and you want to tackle. And that's what I did in that first game. And, you know, it really showed that, you know, I wasn't keeping my outside contained in that second game. I, you know, watched a lot of film and become a lot better at holding that outside position. The only downfall is it gets boring. Like it gets really boring being out there holding that outside contain because the quarterback is reading you, right? So if I'm sitting and I'm staying and I'm reading run and I'm coming up and filling that gap, the quarterback's not going to run at me, never. So like nearly 90% of that game, I was outside like just chasing the ball from behind because the ball was not coming my way. And I think there was one play where I come in because I was just getting sick and tired of staying out there and nothing coming my way and it came out my way. So it's super, super key as that defensive end or as that outside linebacker to make sure that you contain that read because every defensive player on the field has a job, regardless if you are making a tackle or not, you are filling a gap. And by filling that gap, you are helping the rest of your team make the play and stop the ball from, you know, making its way down the field. So super important for that outside contain on the backside. And you can really tell, uh, you know, the rookie linebackers when they're faced up with a read option concept because you just see them look at the running back and go, yep, I'm going. And then all of a sudden they're not there. Uh, and, and that's when these mistakes start, start to happen. But, you know, this concept lends itself really well to a mobile quarterback. You know, Danny, you're uh, definitely one of the most agile quarterbacks that I've played with. Uh, generally, the person in charge of the quarterback uh, on these type of plays is the safety. And often they're too far back and have to scrape all the way over to contain. And you can run plenty of plays off, off this read option concept and it sets up a lot of trick plays. But you guys, we could talk about this this for hours. Like I'm, I'm actually upset that we have to cut this a little bit short. But I'm curious as to what our listeners thought um, of our analysis of this concept and this segment. So make sure you give us a comment. And by no means are we experts, but we definitely have some great insight and experience here. So tell us what you want us to dive into next time. But unfortunately, it's time to wrap this one up with our rapid fire segment. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, guys. This week we have an exciting all Aussie nomination. It's the most selfless position on the field. The first ones to get yelled at when things fall apart. The last ones to get props when things go well. They are the engine room. They're in the trenches and they are the hard fighting offensive line. Nat, this is your wheelhouse, the O-line. I'm sure you're going to be able to mention a couple of players that deserve an all Aussie nomination. So let's kick this one off with you. Who have you got? All right, so I'm uh, I'm going to keep it in Vic because I think the Vic girls need a bit of a shout out. So, uh, but before that, I would give my absolute nod to Tracy Day. I think uh, if there's ever a goat that was for the O line, it would absolutely should get my pick. So, uh, not uh, hats off to Ted there, hundred percent. But um, from Vic, I think. Um, uh, I wouldn't have a line without SJ Mills at centre. I think she's a um, extremely uh, high football IQ. Um, yeah, good, good, good. Uh, somebody that I absolutely want next to me whenever I'm playing. So SJ Mills, I'd pick S, uh, Jess Johnston from the Raiders. I think she's a great as a tackle, really long arm span, uh, very mobile, um, and yeah, really just absolutely um, puts everything into every play that she's got. And then also uh, from the Raiders, I would call that to leader as well. So um, absolutely beast on the o-line absolutely just gives it 110 percent and these are definitely big girls i would 100 uh want on my all aussie team 
Yeah, Jess Johnson's a definitely a good one because, you know, her and I, we both played um, softball and baseball. So naturally, I thought that she was going to be like a quarterback kind of type, but she's gone, you know what? No, I'm going to sit on the O-line. So props to her for doing that. Uh, Beck, who have you got for your all Aussie O-line? Yeah, O-line's a hard one to choose because there are so many girls that play on the line. And like Stay said, they don't get the props or the mentions like the rest of our offensive players do, but they are what makes the offense work. Um, so you really do got to shout out the ones who are working hard and making those plays possible. And for me, um, if I want someone in front of me, I want Haley Tagliola-Smith from the New South Wales Raiders who's overplaying for Mississippi Lady Panthers. Like she's so aggressive. She's so in your face. She's so strong. She knows her playbook as well. So you know that, you know, when she's in front of you, she's reaching for the right blocks. You're following her gaps. And yeah, she's just for me. Yeah, she was definitely on my list. Uh, you know, Haley kind of embodies what it means to work in the trenches. Uh, you know, we played 2018 Nationals with zero subs on O-line and every game without fail, Haley pushed the girls and had this calming presence on the field. It helps that she also played quarterback, so she understands what it means to be that protector. Uh, Christy, I'm sure you have a long, long list of uh, offensive line that you've loved to run behind in your mm-hmm. career. You know I do. I've been very blessed. And I'd just like to state that that is never a theme on my team. Um, The O-line is not the first to be blamed and they are not the last to be congratulated on a play. I know where it's at and uh, I make sure that my O-line know I know where it's at. So do my QBs. So um, not on my watch, but uh, there's so many that I could name. Um, Shout outs to uh, the likes of Sarah Kane, Tang Napier, uh, Laura Newell, um, who plays with the Thunder currently, she's a beast. Um, I'm obviously going to go with Tracy Day. I've had the pleasure of playing with her against some of the best D-line over in Chicago and for Outback. Um, but another other two mentions that I'd like to, I knew I was going to have a little mini list and I'm not going to name everyone, although I could name a lot more, um, is little known or probably not remembered, she used to play for the Jets, is Jolene Bennett. Jolene was of the Jets and she was an absolute beast. And the reason why she was is because she had this real mama protection kind of thing. And uh, she was, uh, the backfield was her babies and she was not letting anyone touch them. Um, and the other one that you need to keep an eye on who currently plays is Alex Ahrens. So um, she's with the Ravens, has been, so she's fairly new, but her, she's also a very good leader within the team as well. When, her, when she speaks, she's heard, um, and she's a very calming and very, very good um, IQ for someone who's only been playing for a few years. So uh, she is the one to watch, and I think she'll be a great one in the Outback selection should she make it. Yeah, I love how, you know, the traits that you love in the offensive line are that they're brutal when they need to be. They will pound you into the dirt. But if you are one that they are protecting, they will cuddle you and make sure that you're okay um, every time, every time. Danny, who have you got for your offensive line nominations? So a quick couple from me. I have to go with my OG from the ACT, Miss Daniela Stosic. Um, man, if she's in front of me, do I feel safe at all times? I know that she knows what she's doing. She makes sure that she knows, like the, her line knows what they're doing. Um, just such a leader, super knowledgeable, has so much experience. She's just absolutely amazing. So super trustworthy, great person to have um, on your own line. And another one is uh, Chrissy Osborne. So she plays for the Rebels in New South Wales. Yeah, so I've had the pleasure of 
of training with her a couple of times um, at state at the moment and she has been playing I think she's on the left side tackle at the moment no right side tackle sorry at the moment and she has been getting it she seems like she's super switched on super knowledgeable also soaks everything in and yeah she I think she's a real big one to watch for sure. I mean, if you're going to be paying the big bucks for a quarterback, you need to be paying the big bucks for that left side, left tackle to be protecting them. And I swear, if you've got Ducky in on your left tackle and your blind side's protected with someone like that, you are a happy, happy quarterback. Uh, for me, I've played with quite a number of great offensive line in my time, but I have to give a shout out to the one, the only, Shari only. Um, she, I, I mean... There's no words. That you, she could be all Australian in any position that she's played. But, uh, you know, she's probably the opposite in terms of um, personality to uh, some of these other players that we've mentioned. You know, she's feisty. She's competitive. She's a workhorse. She's strong as an ox. She's agile. And I've made her made some, seen her make some incredible blocks downfield that would make any coach proud. You know, she transitioned to running back later in her career. And like I said, honestly, could be all on in any position. But Having had her as my center for many years, I can attest to her greatness and as one of the best to ever do it. Honorable mentions from WA have come out. Uh, Zowie Day, Rachel Richards, Katie Outram, and Jaslyn O'Shea. Um, apparently, these guys over in the GW competition are masters of getting shit done on the field. So, guys, don't forget the O-line when you run, run one in for a touchdown. If they don't block for you... Ain't no one going anywhere. That's all we have time for tonight, guys. As always, give this episode a download if you like what you heard. Follow us on socials. We are on all platforms. Give us a comment if there's someone we missed in these nominations or if there's something in the playbook you want us to explore. If you really, really like us, give us a five on the Spotify reviews. And until next week, we will catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.